0: to you for becky and we give thanks for the giftings that you have placed upon her and for what this evening you have placed upon her heart and we ask now that you would fill her and us with your holy spirit together may we learn of your goodness amen amen thanks kai as usual i brought too many things to the front Um, including something that we'll figure out whether or not we need later. God sometimes asks you to do silly things and I'm not entirely sure whether we're there at the moment or not, but I have a pot of bubbles that I felt like I needed to bring to the front. Who knows? God is good. We've got a question in this passage And questions can come in so many forms and they can be for so many different purposes. They can be a get-to-know-you question. So in student group on Wednesday, we had a, what was your favourite hero? I don't mean superhero. I mean I had a box of heroes on my lap. And actually, everybody got their favourite hero. If we could work that one out, I had a top three. I didn't have... I, I may have done... actually had three. Um... Questions can be a delaying tactic. What about X? Presumably, possibly the meaning of life just before bedtime on a school night. Any parents out there? Or anybody that's ever put a child to bed? They can be fairly obscure. And it's where we are tonight it's a take it to the extreme using a pet subject type question that's what we have here this evening you can have good and bad questions anybody who's done research um, I suspect a few of you will have a module called research methods um, either this term or at some point in your various courses And you may well have been told to kind of avoid questions that just have a yes or a no answer. Do you eat healthily? Yes. Oh, but that doesn't actually tell me anything because I don't know what your version of eating healthily means. Perhaps... More of a sort of how many portions of fruit or vegetables a day, and no, chocolate oranges don't count. I've been asked that question too many times with my previous hat of healthy um, health promotion on. My favourite type of question, and yes, I do say this through gritted teeth would you like tea, coffee, or hot chocolate? And the answer is yes. It doesn't tell me anything. To get the right information, we have to write, um, ask the right question but I don't think the Sadducees were asking for information's sake. So to give you a little bit of background, a little bit more background than we get from the passage, the Sadducees were a Jewish sect. They were part of the Jewish religion. They particularly liked the written laws. They tended to be the wealthier echelons of society. And as we've heard, they denied the resurrection of the dead. And it might be that you read this and think, well... The Jews didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah and Jesus was going to rise from the dead. So, well, no problems. But actually, resurrection after death was a standard belief for much of Judaism at the time of Jesus. So it was, it was this sect that didn't believe that. But we have this dialogue in Luke And um, much of chapter 19 going into chapter 20 leads up to this. So last week we heard about Zacchaeus, if you were with us. But after the passage that talks about Zacchaeus, we come to the passage where Jesus is going to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. The part where we celebrate that. We remember that on Palm Sunday if you are with us through the year. We get to the point, all leading up to where we are tonight, where Je- Jesus goes into the temple and declares that his house shall be a house of prayer, not a den of robbers. And then at the start of chapter 20, the authority of Jesus is challenged. We hear the parable of the wicked tenants. The question about whether or not people should be paying taxes to Caesar. And then we come to the questions about the resurrection. Jesus is having dialogue with the religious authorities. And the authorities are trying to catch Jesus out. I honestly don't really think the Sadducees cared one iota About the answer to this question. It was perhaps a bit like a child asking a particularly tricky question at bedtime. The question probably wasn't the primary concern at that point. They wanted to catch Jesus out, giving them ammunition against him. So what happens in this somewhat odd account? And interestingly, this is the only discussion in the gospel narratives, this and the parallel accounts in Matthew and Mark that talk about the resurrected life. So the Sadducees come with this question. And they're referring back to Moses. You can look it up in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 and 6 if you want to And he's talking about in this passage, it brings this question that there is a man and a woman who are married and they don't have any children to follow on the family name. So if the husband dies and he's got a brother, the brother is told by Levitical law to marry the wife so that they can have a child who can carry on the family line. The name will be continuing. There are quite a few issues with this. Looking onto it, sort of nowadays through our lens but we're not really here to discuss that but we are going to name the fact that there are a few issues but then we're just going to park that there but this is an extreme case brought for dramatic effect because there are seven brothers they all die there's still no children and the woman has died too The Sadducees then ask, now at the resurrection, the resurrection that they didn't believe in, whose wife is she going to be? And Jesus responds, and he picks out quite a few interesting things. Marriage is for this life. It's not a question to be worried about what happens next. But there is an age to come, and not all will be worthy of it. It's interesting, isn't it? And it's quite it's something to remember. It sort of slides into the passage without really kind of saying, Look, here I am. In the resurrection of the dead, and to take note, Sadducees, there is one there will be no marriage, and there will be no death. And so, this question is not a question. There's no question to answer. If I was there, if they'd asked me, I think I'd be really tempted to stick a so there in it. But thankfully for everybody, this was Jesus who didn't have that sort of attitude. Jesus was well aware how the Sadducees viewed Scripture what their attitude and view of the resurrection was. They saw the first five books of our Bible, the Torah, those five books as authoritative. And so Jesus, knowing this, references them back to Exodus, the second book. And that's the account that we saw in the reading today. Those verses or that verse that says, but that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Jesus points them back to the scripture that they acknowledge as authoritative scripture to a point where they should be able to relate. And I've moved my notes. They've slipped down. God is still the God of the patriarchs, in the present tense. He's not talking in the past tense. And so because of that, he is proving the resurrection in a way that the Sadducees couldn't really argue with. It was their scripture that they saw as holy scripture that he was talking about. Tom Wright, who can put this far more articulately than I can, says this Jesus proposes that the book of Exodus, one of those the Sadducees acknowledged as authoritative, does indeed teach the resurrection when it describes God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are still alive to God. That doesn't mean that they are already raised from the dead any first century Jew would have known that this was not the case. It means that they are alive in God's presence awaiting their final resurrection. God is the God of the living. So these Sadducees, these religious leaders are attempting to catch Jesus out and unsurprisingly, that didn't work. So what about Us, today, reading this roughly 2,000 years later. I think there are a few things that we can take home from this passage. God knows what's in our hearts and he knows what's really going on. God knew what was going on for those Sadducees. He knew what was behind those questions in a way that really got to the crux of what is going on. And we often have questions and sometimes we can bring those questions to God kind of really transparently telling him exactly what's on our hearts. And sometimes I think we do a very human thing of perhaps we sort of go off here and ask the question that sort of is over here and perhaps kind of vaguely get around to it. God knows what is on our hearts and we can fully bring ourselves to him. There's no question that it's too big or too small or too right or too wrong. He knows us and he loves us. This life isn't the end. And that's to be taken seriously. Verse 35 tells us that it's not a given that all will be worthy of taking part in the age to come. That is a stark reminder, but it's a real reminder that there is a choice to be made. Do I declare Jesus as Lord and Saviour of my life and follow him? There are choices to be made, there are decisions to be made and to be followed through with. Josh has thus made this public declaration by getting in that water, very publicly, very splashily, and getting very wet. That he is following Jesus and as Lord and Savior of his life. We also take away that resurrection life is going to be different the things about our lives now which may be very important to us are actually irrelevant in heaven. And that's quite a biggie to get our heads around as well because we get very tied up with things on this earth, in this life. And that's not to say that it's not good to invest in things. It's, it's good to have good relationships. It's good to work hard and study hard and all of those sort of things. But our resurrection life will be different. We don't know what it's going to be like. But we do know that it's going to be glorious. And there's going to be no more pain or tears or crying or illness. And I think that speaks into our priorities here on earth. Where our treasure is there, our hearts are also. What are the things that we are prioritising? Are they relevant to our resurrection life? Please don't take away from this that we just ditch everything that we're doing and wash our hands of it. That's not what I'm saying. We can live a God-honouring earthly life and have right priorities that speak into the resurrection life too. But I think there are so many things that we see as important now that are going to be irrelevant in heaven. And so actually, we can leave some of those things, some of the things that we get tied up in, if it's not encouraging our focus to be on God if it's not leading us to God being our number one, then perhaps we need to think about that and ask that question. God is the God of the living on earth and in heaven. But we're living on earth and we're called to have a relationship, a living, loving, two-way relationship with him. So do we have that? Is God our number one? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that there is so much that speaks to us and has spoken across the ages. Thank you that when there are hard things to be wrestled with, Your love never ends. It never, ever ends. So we ask that you would speak to us. You would show us if we need to adjust our priorities so that they are in line with where you want them to be. And Lord, as we think about priorities, we think about where things are not as you want them to be across the world. For, for countries that are struggling, where there is fighting and violence, we especially lift up to you, Israel, and that area of the world, asking that you would bring your miraculous peace. Lord that that people would see your light and that that things would be stilled. We pray for other areas across the world where there is violence where there is unrest where people go to bed hungry because infrastructures are not there. And Lord we pray for all who don't have the resources to live live healthily having a decent life lord our finances won't stretch where housing is inadequate lord would you would you speak into those structures bringing your compassion and would you be glorified Lord, as we have celebrated harvest and your provision today, we lift up to you, Jubilee Storehouse. Asking that people who will be fed from those gifts would know of your love. And Lord, we just have a moment of quiet to to listen to what you want to say to us. Take names and faces of people who you want us to pray for. Lord, would you help us to share your love with those around us. Bringing your light into situations where perhaps there are lots and lots of questions. All through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Becky. And Becky's really challenged us on this area of priority and making God the priority.